Happy Lantern Festival! Look at my lantern, Andrew! It what? looks like my cat Felix! It's hand-painted! Did you paint that yourself? No. <laughs> I bought it at a very special store that we'll talk about later on today. Also, we'll be shedding some light on Taiwan's COVID-19 vaccination situation. Hi, I'm Andrew Ryan. I'm Natalie So. Let's first take a look at the stories on our radar. Taiwan will partly reopen to foreign business people and foreign nationals seeking medical care on March 1st. Business people from select countries will be able to apply for a shortened quarantine period on arrival. Tourism, however, is still off the table. Schools across Taiwan are back in session after the semester was delayed by four days to disinfect buildings and grounds. At one newly reopened Taipei school, city officials joined students in a dance demonstrating the importance of hand washing. Save the algae. That's the goal of a proposed referendum. Right now, organizers are gathering signatures to have it put on the ballots. At the heart of the referendum are plans by Taiwan's biggest petrochemical producer, CPC, to build a natural gas processing plant near an algal reef in northern Taiwan. Voters would be asked if they think it should be built in a different location. CPC responded to activists by revising their plans, cutting the area by 90% and moving it slightly away from the reef. One of Taiwan's most spectacular religious rituals is set to go ahead, though it's been tweaked due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Each year, volunteers are carried through the streets of Taidong, standing in for Master Han Dan, a god believed to hate cold weather. Devotees generously warm up the god by hurling lit firecrackers at him. This year's event has been postponed to April, and there will be no crowds. Spectators will have to watch a live stream feed of the event online. So, Andrew, are you looking forward to getting your COVID vaccine? Yes, I am very much. <laughs> uh, you know, because I can't go back home to see my parents unless I've gotten one. At Me least I don't too. feel like I can. Yeah. Right. What about you? Uh, yes, I would love to travel again. Mm. So we hope that all works out very soon. Yes. Well, you know, Taiwan's done a great job in fighting off the pandemic, but we could find ourselves waiting for a vaccine. Where does a country that's not part of the UN go to get COVID vaccines? One place that Taiwan is looking is German pharmaceutical company by BioNTech or BNT. But Taiwan's health minister Chen Shizong said last week that it hasn't been smooth sailing. He said that a deal for 5 million vaccines had fallen through due to external pressure. There was speculation that Beijing had intervened by way of the country's distributor, a Chinese company called Shanghai Fosun Pharmaceutical Group. China sees Taiwan as part of its territory and opposes its efforts to engage with the rest of the world. As of now, it looks like the deal is back on. BioNTech told Reuters that it intends to supply Taiwan with the vaccine as part of its commitment to fighting the global pandemic. And Taiwan is dealing directly with BNT rather than going through the distributor. At a press briefing, Minister Chen called Germany a trusted business partner of Taiwan and thanked BNT for offering Taiwan vaccines. He said the two sides have come to a consensus and that a contract is being finalized. Once BNT's vaccines arrive in Taiwan, there will be more hurdles to getting them in arms. The vaccines must be stored at negative 70 degrees Celsius, so Chen says that people will probably have to get vaccinated in hospitals. BNT is only providing Taiwan with a fraction of the vaccines it needs. The concern now is that Taiwan, which only has a handful of diplomatic allies, could find it hard to compete with bigger, more powerful countries for vaccines. When asked about the possibility of trading computer chips for vaccines, Sun said that those are two completely different products that are traded through different channels. So the million-dollar question is, how many vaccines has Taiwan procured so far? That's right. And joining us in the studio is the newest member of our team, Stash 
Butler. Hello. Hey, Stash. Hey, great to be here. So I know you've been looking into the numbers, right? Yeah, that's right. So there's a simple answer to the question of how many vaccines does Taiwan have, and that is uh, none so far. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, no. but there's a bit more to it than that. So the government has bought 10 million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine directly from AstraZeneca. They've also bought five million from the U.S. company Moderna, and they're getting five million more from Covax. So that's 20 million vaccines in total. So I'm not including any vaccines from Pfizer or BioNTech because that deal hasn't been finalized yet. So tell us about Covax. Mm. Yeah, so Covax is not actually a vaccine manufacturer. It's a, an initiative which distributes other companies' vaccines. Uh, it's run by global organizations like the World Health Organization, and its aim is to get the whole world vaccinated. So that's including poor countries which might not have better access to uh, to vaccines and. They'll get those vaccines for free. It also includes countries like Taiwan that aren't part of international organizations. Oh, that's really good. So now we're talking 20 million vaccines total. We know that there are about 24 million people in Taiwan. Some people might say it sounds like we have enough, but is that true? Yes, that's sadly not true. So there are some vaccines that uh, use a single dose, but all of the vaccines that Taiwan has bought use two doses. So that means with 20 million vaccines, you can vaccinate about 10 million people. So I'm curious to know, and call me selfish, but when am I going to get a vaccine? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, there's a lot of uncertainty about that. Um, we're not really sure about delivery times for a lot of the vaccines. The one thing we can say for sure is that there should be 200,000 doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine coming via COVAX to Taiwan in the coming days. So that's going to be very, very soon. But the rest, well, we just don't know for sure. Um, the one other thing we can say is that there should be doses of the Moderna vaccine arriving in May or June or thereabouts. Oh, okay. Not too bad. And I know that Taiwan is also developing its own vaccines. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. So Taiwan is developing vaccines at the moment through two companies who are leading the way. They're in phase two trials at the moment, and those trials are expected to end around June. And hopefully then, once those trials are over, they can report the results and get emergency authorization to start producing them in July. And the government is hoping to buy 5 million doses from each of those companies. Okay, so 5 million from each of those companies. Let's add up all the numbers once again for those of us who are a little slower following <laughs> along. Sure, so I think uh, Tsai Ing-wen, thankfully, has done the maths for us. So I'll refer you to a tweet she made recently showing all the numbers. So in summary, we have 20 million doses from foreign manufacturers coming into Taiwan. We have 10 million doses from uh, domestic manufacturers. So that adds up to 30 million doses. Uh, now, that's just hopefully a lowball figure. Hopefully, if things go to plan and we get 5 million more from the Pfizer-BioNTech deal and then hopefully another 10 million from domestic manufacturers, that could add up to 45 million doses for Taiwan. Ooh, okay, yeah. 45 million. So yeah. that's It should be enough close, for you right? to get and, vaccinated. And <laughs> yeah, it should be enough for everyone in the country, hopefully, or thereabouts. Well, thank you so much, Stash. Mm. Well, thank you for having me. Hopefully, next time I'm here, I have some more good news to tell you. Absolutely, and that's today's Taiwan Explained. Up next, hashtag Taiwan. 
This is Soichi Noguchi. He's a Japanese astronaut aboard the International Space Station. And this is Chen Chi Mai. He's the mayor of Kaohsiung City in southern Taiwan. Earlier this week, Chen Chi Mai invited Soichi Noguchi to visit Kaohsiung City once the pandemic is over. What business does a mayor of a Taiwanese city have inviting a Japanese astronaut? Funny you should ask, because that's the topic of this week's Hashtag Taiwan. On December 4th last year, Noguchi took a nighttime picture of Tainan and Kaohsiung from space. Noguchi captioned the image with Hashtag Taiwan is cloudy tonight, this is the best I've got. Honestly, if Noguchi didn't write the location in his caption, I would have no idea where that is. Heck, I would venture to say that was a picture of space. Nevertheless, Noguchi's tweet drew a lot of attention from Taiwanese internet users with many urging him to visit Taiwan. On January 23rd of this year, Noguchi tweeted another picture of Taiwan surrounded by clouds. Or at least he says that's Taiwan. I don't know, I can't tell. Maybe I gotta tilt my head and squint. At this point, you might think I'm being too nitpicky or that I have horrible eyesight. But Noguchi apparently already knows that because... On February 19th, he tweeted a third picture of Taiwan from space. This photograph clearly shows the island of Taiwan and its distinctive tail thingy. See? My geography ain't so bad after all. Curiously, Noguchi tagged the picture as Tainan City, when in reality it depicts a large chunk of southern Taiwan. And I emphasize southern Taiwan because the day after Noguchi tweeted his third photo, which again he tagged with Tainan City, Kaohsiung City government tweeted back at him in all Japanese. They relayed an invite to the astronaut from Mayor Chen Chi Mai asking him to visit when the pandemic is over. But what if the pandemic ends and Noguchi's still in space? I mean, I don't think there's regular space shuttles between Taiwan and the International Space Station. Noguchi retweeted the Kaohsiung City government's tweet with a simple thank you. I think the Kaohsiung City government people were looking for an answer more along the lines of yes or no. But then again, what do I know? Noguchi's an astronaut. He's more qualified than me in anything at this point. On February 23rd, Noguchi tweeted a fourth photo of Taiwan at night from space, a picture which he called majestic. And I think that was him saying thank you to Taiwan for responding so positively to his photographs. But maybe we should be the ones thanking him for taking photographs of Taiwan that are literally out of this world. Today we're going to be playing a new brain game called Three Pictures and two words. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> these two guys are going to guess what's in the pictures and then you're going to fill in the blanks with two words, all right? Oh, so you okay. each have a buzzer to try that out. They're all related to the Lantern Festival, which falls on Friday, the 15th day of the Lunar New Year. Okay, so you guys ready for the first picture? Oh, uh, no. Let's do it. Let's Maybe take yes. a look. Whoa, okay, I wasn't ready for that. Okay. What is that? Um, that's so like, like fireworks. That looks like like yeah. sparks spraying down on people. <gasps> sparks down on people. So Waterfall it's of happening in Taiwan every year. What mm. is it? I have no idea. I don't either. I, oh, I know. Okay, I'll I, tell you guys. <laughs> it's the Yensui Beehive Fireworks that Festival. Is? I didn't see oh. that. In Tainan. And what they do is every year they set off thousands of fireworks all night long mm -hmm. and it feels like a swarm of bees are coming at you. <laughs> That's what it's called. So, okay. And all the people are like right in the middle of the fireworks. Right. A lot yeah. of times they wear, you know, protective gear mm. and it's uh, a very interesting festival and CNN covered it actually. And let's take a look at what they said. They said it's undeniably one of the world's most blank blank. What do you guys think that is? Ooh. And take a guess. Spectacular celebrations. Um, you got one of the words right. Ooh. Celebrations. <laughs> oh, you unforgettable celebrations. No. Marvelous celebrations. Nope. Frightening celebrations. Close. You're getting closer. Oh, scary. Closer. Uh, Close. Frightening, scary. Heart stopping. Uh, uh, terrifying? 
dangerous. Dangerous. Oh, okay. It is one of the most dangerous. There's thousands of fireworks coming at you. And this year they're going to streamline it. They're not going to do the travel circuit they usually do. And mm. they're just not going to, um, they're just going to do it in one place and not let anybody come close. Okay. So it won't be dangerous this year. No, no firing fireworks anybody? No. Okay. Ho- hopefully it'll be good for getting rid of COVID-19, right? Yeah, hopefully. In the past, they in the past that's for, what they um, yeah. did it for. It started in the 1800s to get rid of cholera and the plague. And they believe that the fireworks, um, the sulfur, helped kill the bacteria, and the plague scared away the rats. Wow. So maybe wow. this will help get rid of COVID-19 as well. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Okay, the next picture, let's take a look. Yeah, those what are is it? sky lanterns. Those are sky lanterns. Yeah. Where? There's a Ping bunch Xi. of them. Right. So yeah. it's the Pingxi Sky Lantern Festival that happens every year, and people usually write wishes, you know, and, and what they want to happen this year to see if, you know, um, God will answer their prayers, uh, whatever. Yeah. So um, this was also um, reported on by Discovery Channel, and this is what they said. They called it the blank, blank New Year's Eve celebration in the world. Oh. Okay, Andrew. Most spectacular? <laughs> no. The, you like spectacular, huh? Yeah. Most illuminating? No. That's pretty good. No. Uh, is most one of the words? No. No. Uh, do it again? What was the phrase? Blank, blank New Year's Eve celebration in the world. Brightest, biggest, striking, illuminating. Strikingly beautiful. Strikingly beautiful. <laughs> um, most unforgettable. Okay, uh, one more guess each. <laughs> <laughs> um... Lanternous. <laughs> Severely. This is kind of hard. Second biggest. Oh, second oh. biggest. Actually, there are 100,000 people who go oh, to this a, festival. It's a small it's village, exciting. too. Yeah. But this year, they're postponing it because of COVID to mm. the summertime. Okay. okay. But if you want to go, you can still go now and um, set off a sky lantern. Okay. So, cool, cool, cool. Okay. Second so biggest. one more um, picture. Let's take a look. You guys, can you recognize that? That looks like, uh, this was the, the theme lantern from the lantern festival wow. that was pos- postponed. That's it's right. It's lit up yeah. with uh, so, and it moves. all the colors. Yeah. Yes, so that's in Shinsu, and every year for the past 32 years, we've had a lantern festival, and it's you know rotated in different cities ever since 2001, and it was also reported on by Discovery Channel, and they called it wow. one of the world's blank blank. <laughs> None of the world's uh, unique highlights. Unique highlights, no? <laughs> Premier celebrations. Okay. Uh, <laughs> one of the world's greatest hits. Greatest. Whoa. Greatest, greatest what? Uh, parties. Okay. Not parties. Try again. Greatest celebrations. Try again. Festivals. Right. Oh, Yay! Okay. You guys are <laughs> greatest festival. Teamwork, teamwork is teamwork. Very good. So uh, anyways, this has been suspended because of COVID, but you'll be able to see all of the uh, lantern installations um, exhibited throughout Taiwan. So that's kind of cool. Awesome. Yeah. So actually, we have some three amazing festivals every year in Taiwan. This year, they've had some changes. But even though we suspended the lantern festival, you can still see a lot of lanterns dangling throughout the city. Let's take a look. Taiwan's Lantern Festival has been canceled due to COVID, but that doesn't mean people aren't enjoying the captivating symbols of light and good fortune in Taiwan. You can see them all around town, as enchanting decor in shopping centers, restaurants, and even workplaces to bring a little New Year's luck to us at RTI. 
If you'd like to take home your own lucky light, you might want to check out the 100-year-old lantern store in the old part of Taipei called Dadaochen. You can buy them in a variety of charming colors, motifs, and textures. I found a precious hand-painted one that reminds me of my favorite animal, Felix the Cat. Happy Lantern Festival! This is a brand new segment on Taiwan Insider called Taiwan Taste Buds. You guys are my taste buddies. Love it, <laughs> love it. Well, today is uh, right on the eve of Lantern Festival, so we're going to be sampling a Lantern Festival specialty, and that is glutinous rice dumplings. Now, I have brought four different flavors. We're going to start off with the traditional flavor, and as you can see, they all look the same on the outside. So now, in your bowl, you each have one of two traditional flavors. And uh, go ahead and sample them and see okay, what they taste see what like. What we got? Start off with Leslie. Mm. What'd you Sticky get? Sticky stuff. I got a sesame. All righty. Yeah, and I got flavor. peanut. It's really good. It's nice and warm and gooey and sticky. And mm. the peanut is very sesame sweet. Sesame and peanut are similar in that they have that nutty flavor. Very sweet. Very nice. Mm. I got sesame, black sesame too. And I always think this is like so much like velvet mm. in your mouth because mm. it's sugary and it's. Toasty, perfect for winter. Which one do you guys like? I know you each got your own. I like peanut. You like the peanut? I do mm -hmm. like peanut, but sesame's always, it's, it's a close They're second. Good. It's a very close second. Mmm. This is delicious. Mm. I love how chewy and gooey they are. So it's kind of like mochi on the outside, right? It is. Yeah. It's like yeah. mochi, and then it's like uh, this velvet coming out. The inside's the surprise. It's nice. Mm. I'm, I'm done with mine. All right, we're going to move on to um, the next round, and I'm going to show you some slightly uh, less traditional flavors. As you can see, they look the same on the outside, but what could be inside? All right, this time around, because they are very interesting flavors, I've given you each uh, both of the flavors to try. Oh. Uh, Leslie, why don't you go ahead and start? All right, let me give this a shot. See the expression on his face. <laughs> mm. Do you want to mm. show us what it is? It's uh, matcha, green tea. Green oh. tea. Okay, okay. now I'm gonna try the different one. I don't know what's inside. I can't tell. It's yellow inside. It's closed up. It's a uh, it's it's a salty egg. Mm. No wonder it is salty. Yeah, xian dan. So it's oh, not bad. Sweet and salty. Not bad. Mm. So which is your favorite? I still like peanut. <laughs> <laughs> I will say uh, I will say you can't beat the classics. Sesame. Sesame's mm -hmm. pretty good. Yeah. Mm. I like the sesame one too. Uh, of the non-traditional flavors, which was your favorite? Matcha. Matcha. I would say. Salted egg yolk, mm -hmm. just because uh, it came out of left field. It's salty first, and then the the rice dumpling takes over, and it's sweet again. So that's mm. kind of like a roller coaster. Yeah, I love the uh, that that salted egg yolk. I think mm. it's it's a really interesting flavor and totally unexpected. I was like, oh, I can't believe this is in, inside a, a dumpling. Huh? It was good, tasty. So there you go. That's uh, some classic and not so classic glutinous rice dumplings for the Lantern Festival. And our final question of the day, on what date do you think you will get vaccinated? Natalie. Okay, well, I'm thinking this year, maybe the end of the year, December 1st. Okay. We're good, reasonable. Yeah, how about you, Leslie? Um, February 26, 2021. That's uh, tomorrow. <laughs> let, it, let it never be said I'm not optimistic. <laughs> I love that, the eternal optimist. 
Well, I'm looking for a Christmas present. Oh, yeah. I was thinking that, but I don't want to do that on Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would take it any day you give it to me. That's all I have to say. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this edition of Taiwan Insider. Be sure to connect with us on social media. Yes, leave a comment and subscribe if you like us. For Taiwan Insider, I'm Natalie So. I'm Leslie Liao, and I'm Andrew Ryan. Happy Lantern Festival. Taiwan Today with Natalie So. Hello and welcome to Taiwan Today. I am Natalie So. People in Taiwan were quite nervous about the U.S. election because they didn't know what the change of U.S. presidents would mean for Taiwan. And U.S.-Taiwan ties grew tremendously under Donald Trump's administration. Now, now that Joe Biden has been in office for a month, what has he shown about his policy towards Taiwan and China and towards domestic affairs? Well, today we hear from Voice of America anchor Huang Yaoyi. Huang tells us first what Biden's biggest priorities have been during his first month in office. Hmm. Ever since Biden came into office, and it's been a month already, he has said every single day that the most important thing that he needs to do is to combat COVID-19. That is his most urgent and important priority. Now, even though things are getting better in the U.S., it is still a very serious situation. This week, we saw the U.S. pass the grim milestone of 500,000 deaths. Last year, experts were predicting that the worst the pandemic could see is 240,000 deaths. Now the number of deaths is more than twice that amount. And we do see that Biden is making strides in this area. Biden has said that the first 100 days are extremely important. He wants to have 100 million people vaccinated in the first 100 days. But it looks like he's going to exceed that goal. Now there are 1.7 million people being vaccinated in the United States daily. That's a lot more than the 890,000 that were being vaccinated daily in Trump's administration. He predicts that by the end of July, he will have enough doses for 300 million Americans. Now, once the pandemic is under control, the economy can begin to recover. The economy is also a major issue. The economy has been impacted a lot by COVID-19. We saw the stock market crash and unemployment skyrocket last year. Biden is pushing for a $1.9 trillion American rescue plan. This is not only going to be used for vaccines, but also to help small and medium-sized businesses and people who may not be able to pay their rent. Everyone also received a $1,400 U.S. dollar stimulus check. So the economy and containing COVID-19 are his two main priorities. 
Now, Voice of America anchor Huang Yaoyi also told us how Biden is working on issues like racial equality and immigration reform. As for issues such as racial equality and immigration, in January, Biden announced a 2021 American Immigration Act. If you are an illegal alien, it provides conditions that you could meet within the next eight years to become a legal resident. This is a very ambitious plan. He is also working to help fight racial discrimination on behalf of African Americans, Latino Americans, and Asian Americans. A lot of Asians, especially the elderly, have been victims of hate crimes because of the pandemic. Some of the elderly have been hit or shoved while they were just walking around minding their own business. So Biden has said that we must fight racial discrimination. There was also a law proposed to forbid any discrimination in the workplace against the LGBT community. Biden came out the same day to say he totally supports that bill. So it's been just a month, but Biden has done a lot for America already. Now, what people in Taiwan are most concerned about is how the U.S. will treat Taiwan and China. We'll hear more from Voice of America anchor Huang Yaoyi and his analysis of the Biden administration's attitude towards China and Taiwan next. Taiwan Today with Natalie So. The Sound of the Puyuma Tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Listening to Taiwan Today, and I'm Natalie So. Today, we're hearing from Voice of America anchor Huang Yao Yi about how the Biden administration has fared in its first month. Now, Taiwan is concerned most about U.S. relations with Taiwan and China. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said that Trump was right to go against China, but his policies were a bit off. And recently, the Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi said that the U.S. should stop tolerating Taiwan independence activists. Voice of America anchor Huang Yao Yi tells us how the Biden administration responded to China's remarks. 
那个王毅刚才的说法您已经呃讲了，我就讲一下拜呃不是呃拜登政府美国国务院发言人这个。Now, in response to Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi's remarks, the U.S. State Department spokesperson Ned Price criticized China. Price said that China is not transparent enough, doesn't abide by international agreements, and oppresses basic human rights. So, from this, we can see that Biden is showing a pretty strong stance against China. He is standing firm. So that's towards China, but what about Taiwan? Is U.S. President Joe Biden going to be a strong ally for Taiwan? 那么整个来说呢，我们现在看到这个拜登政府其实对台湾依然是保持非常友善的一个态度，包括像我们前两天在看到这个白宫的 Biden has been very friendly towards Taiwan. We are seeing top U.S. officials having direct exchanges with top Taiwan officials. Biden's top economic advisor Brian Desi wrote to Taiwan's economic minister Wang Meihua to thank her for helping them solve the issue of the shortage of auto chips with Taiwan's manufacturers. So just from this, we see that there are going to be strong economic exchanges and ties between the U.S. and Taiwan. 那呃，他就后来他自己有讲说，他跟习近平讲电话的时候呢，就已经有把人权、新疆、香港、台湾都。It took Biden a month after he came into office to talk to Chinese President Xi Jinping. When he did, he said he talked to Xi about human rights, Tibet, Taiwan, and Hong Kong. Many U.S. officials, including the president himself, have expressed their concern about the pressure China is giving Taiwan. We can see from a lot of moves and statements like these that the Biden administration is very friendly towards Taiwan. Just this week, in a statement to Saint Lucia. One of Taiwan's diplomatic allies, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, also mentioned Taiwan and how the U.S. has worked with Taiwan to help that country. He also thanked Saint Lucia for speaking out for democracy. So we can see here that the U.S. is showing directly through statements like this that they support Taiwan's diplomatic alliances and their allies' support of Taiwan on the international stage. 对台湾还蛮友善的。那另外值得一点可以提的一点是说呢，我们知道，呃，美国的这个民主党本身其实他们是想要推动全民健保的。Now there's something else worth mentioning. We know that the Democratic Party wants to promote universal health care, and Senator Bernie Sanders last year praised Taiwan specifically for its national health care and how it helped it to fight COVID-19. There are also people in Biden's administration that support universal health care, so we foresee that Taiwan and the U.S. can have many exchanges on this issue. One of the ways that Biden says that he will deal with China is by using alliances. Now, anchor Huang Yaoyi of the Voice of America tells us what he sees about what Biden has been doing. In this respect, so far. Ah, we know that in Taiwan's media, recently, there was a report that the Chinese Foreign Minister Jen Psaki 
A lot of Taiwan media have reported that the White House press secretary said that people need to be patient with the U.S.'s policy towards China. Now, what I think it means is that we need to wait until they have had time to figure it out and announce it in a very comprehensive way. I don't think that they meant that we should be patient with China. The U.S. is going to meet with allies. It's also going to discuss between its two major political parties and government agencies, including the defense ministry and its new China task force, before they come up with a new China policy. So they're saying that we need to be patient with the White House because they need time to do all that before they can come up with a strategy towards China. 那么，呃，甚至我们刚刚讲到说这个要联合国际的盟友，我们知道拜登这种多次，他毕竟在跟欧洲，在跟。Biden has been talking with European allies about how to deal with China. This week, during his first meeting with Canada's Justin Trudeau, he also said that they would talk about China. This includes foreign policy, defense, economics, trade, and also COVID. A White House national security advisor already has announced that the White House does not trust a report on COVID in China made by the World Health Organization. It said the U.S. would need to find out for itself what happened in China. The U.S. also said it would not make any donations to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So from statements and stances like this, we can see that the Biden administration is taking a firm stance on China. Those are the thoughts of Voice of America anchor Huang Yaoyi about Biden's performance in his first month in office. COVID-19 has been the main priority, as has getting the economy to recover. The U.S. has also shown a lot of friendly stances and support for Taiwan. So perhaps Taiwan should not be so anxious about the new Biden administration. The new Biden administration is also showing that it's taking a firm stance on China as well and disapproves of China's pressure on Taiwan. It's going to take a little time before the Biden administration formulates its strategy towards China, but it seems that they know that China is a threat and that it must deal with it very carefully. Thanks for tuning in to Taiwan Today. I'm Natalie So. place full of voices, viewpoints, and stories. Hear them all here on Radio Taiwan International. Taiwan, straight from the source. Welcome to the RTI Time Machine. Today's time traveler is 
John Van Trieste. And the destination, Castle Zealandia, 1661. For much of the 17th century, southern Taiwan was under Dutch rule. From its nerve center in Batavia, today's Jakarta, the Dutch East India Company ensured that its flag stayed planted on Taiwanese soil. It was a time rich with colorful characters, pirates, merchants, missionaries, and peasant rebels. As Lynn Scott knows, it all makes for perfect drama. Lynn co-wrote and directed the radio drama series Tales of Dutch Formosa, a grand tour of the period based on historical records. Today, she'll be telling us about the most dramatic episode in the whole series, the final one, when everything falls apart. In 1661, when the trouble begins, Governor Frederick Coyette is in charge. He has warned his bosses about signs of danger from China, but he's only been ridiculed or ignored. The threat comes from a man the Dutch call Coxinga. Coxinga comes from a powerful family of Chinese pirates, though they might have preferred the term businessmen. His family and the Dutch go way back, even allying at times. But now, Coxinga's family is splitting apart. China has been invaded from the north, and some relatives have chosen to cooperate with the invaders. Coxinga has decided to fight them, and he'll need Taiwan as a base. Taiwan has been hit by plagues of locusts and other strange events. What kind of state did Coxinga find Taiwan in when he arrived? Well, there were only, as I believe it, accounts of only of a thousand Dutch left inside Fort Zealandia. And, of course, others were spread out around the island. The plagues and the, the locusts and uh, also the effects of the malaria had pretty well reduced their numbers. They were not getting supplies and reinforcements from Batavia, and so it was not flourishing uh, at that time. The occupation of Coxinga pretty much was, uh, he intended to just wipe out all evidence of the Dutch, so immediately he would confiscate land, he would burn or destroy certain buildings or anything that might be left over from the Dutch. So it was pretty much wiped out the things that they, they had built there. The Dutch colony sits on the shores of a shallow inland bay. When Coxinga shows up, only a handful of Dutch ships are at home. Coxinga has a few hundred ships. The Dutch ships that aren't destroyed run out to sea, and one of the Dutch forts, called Fort Provincia, soon surrenders. Only the other fort, Castle Zealandia, is left. How do local Chinese react to Coxinga? Chinese immigrants have built up the colony, but relations with their Dutch rulers aren't always smooth. Is Coxinga a liberator or just another nuisance to replace the Dutch? Well, there are some very, very dramatic and, and different views here. Um, initially, the local people were very happy to get rid of the Dutch uh, rule 
and certain requirements like going to school and the books. And so there really is an account in the diaries of the inhabitants of the local villages burning the books, which I took as a kind of metaphor. But at the same time, they began to realize that things were not going to all be that rosy because Kaksinga and his people were confiscating the land. And although in the beginning they were passing out Chinese robes and boots and giving little tokens to the local people, in the end they were actually taking the land. And so there was a very interesting point that only those local people who had learned to write with the Dutch education and who had a deed for their land were able to keep that land. From the beginning, Governor Coyette has a huge mess on his hands. And one of the great things about Lin's dramatization is how it assigns a real historical character to each of the problems Coyette faces. Rivalry and selfishness are one big problem, and they're represented by the character of Vanderlaan. The real-life Vanderlaan was sent to protect the colony, but he hated Governor Coyette. The Dutch East India Company, or VOC, had a faction problem. There seemed to be some personal animosity between another employee of the VOC, a a Captain Vanderlaan, who seemed to want to promote his own credentials at the expense of Coyette. He would pass certain gossip about Coyette and explain to people that Coyette was really a very poor leader and that he himself, Vanderland, would do a lot better. And when he was allowed to leave the time of the siege and go back to Batavia, he proceeded to spread more of those lies with the intention of promoting himself. And so he would say that, uh, for example, Coyette was mistaken, that there was never going to be a siege and that all of this was just a kind of rumor on the part of Coyette to make people think that they needed him. So there was a lot of misinformation and personal rivalry that was going on at the time. And perhaps that would be the reason that Batavia stalled and did not send, in a timely manner, reinforcements. Wild overconfidence was another serious problem. This is represented by the character of Pedal, who arrogantly leads a small company out to charge against Coxinga's forces. Keep in mind that the Dutch force is tiny. Pedal claims that the Chinese force will collapse once it gets a taste of Dutch muskets. He and his company are blown to shreds. Where did all this bravado come from? Well, of course, they were observing the the Chinese army from the battlements of Fort Zealandia, and they, I, I suppose, they would have a kind of feeling of superiority because the the Chinese cannon were not that effective in actually destroying the the walls of Zealandia. So there are accounts in the uh, the diaries of those last days of the Chinese are rather naive. They're firing their cannon, but they're not making that much damage to the walls. And that in the evening, the soldiers would go out and they would dismantle or they would uh, in some way create a, a situation where the cannons were no longer able to fire. 
So they just, you know, didn't particularly admire the strategies of the Chinese forces. Although they were huge numbers, they seemed to look down on the on the uh, strategy, the warfare. But one of the biggest problems was defection. One European even sped up his own side's defeat by revealing a fatal flaw in the defenses. But as we'll be hearing, despite his huge numbers of troops, things were going very badly for Koxinga too. What made people switch sides so easily when Koxinga's victory wasn't yet a foregone conclusion? Many of the soldiers and the people who were there were not really loyal or particularly interested in supporting uh, the VOC. They were there for more self-interest. And when it looked like things were going bad for the, for the Dutch side, they were just seeking to save themselves and attempting to, you know, to be like traitors and go over to um, the Coxinga side, thinking to gain perhaps some reward or to at least to survive. What were Coxinga's people doing through all this? How did the siege of Castle Zealandia end? And who's responsible for how it ended? These are the questions we'll be tackling next week. Plus, Lynn will be sharing what her research has found about the personalities of the real-life Coyette and Coxinga. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me then for our next journey through time. This is Highlights, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. So the million-dollar question is, how many vaccines has Taiwan procured so far? That's right. And joining us in the studio is the newest member of our team, Stash Butler. Hello. Hey, Stash. Hey, great to be here. So I know you've been looking into the numbers, right? Yeah, that's right. So there's a simple answer to the question of how many vaccines does Taiwan have, and that is uh, none so far. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, no. but there's a bit more to it than that. So the government has bought 10 million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine directly from AstraZeneca. They've also bought 5 million from the U.S. company Moderna, and they're getting 5 million more from COVAX. So that's 20 million vaccines in total. So I'm not including any vaccines from Pfizer or BioNTech because that deal hasn't been finalized yet. So tell us about COVAX. Mm. Yeah, so COVAX is not actually a vaccine manufacturer. It's uh, an initiative which distributes other companies' vaccines. Uh, it's run by global organizations like the World Health Organization, and its aim is to get the whole world vaccinated. So that's including poor countries which might not have better access to, uh, to vaccines and they'll get those vaccines for free. It also includes countries like Taiwan that aren't part of international organizations. Oh, that's really good. So now we're talking 20 million vaccines total. We know that there are about 24 million people in Taiwan. Some people might say, it sounds like we have enough, but is that true? Yes, that's sadly not true. So there are some vaccines that uh, use a single dose, but 
all of the vaccines that Taiwan has bought use two doses. So that means with 20 million vaccines, you can vaccinate about 10 million people. So I'm curious to know, and call me selfish, but when am I going to get a vaccine? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, there's a lot of uncertainty about that. Um, we're not really sure about delivery times for a lot of the vaccines. The one thing we can say for sure is that there should be 200,000 doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine coming via COVAX to Taiwan in the coming days. So that's going to be very, very soon. But the rest... Well, we just don't know for sure. Um, the one other thing we can say is that there should be doses of the Moderna vaccine arriving in May or June or thereabouts. Oh, okay. Not too bad. And I know that Taiwan is also developing its own vaccines. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. So Taiwan is developing vaccines at the moment through two companies who are leading the way. They're in phase two trials at the moment, and those trials are expected to end around June. And hopefully then, once those trials are over, they can report the results and get emergency authorization to start producing them in July. And the government is hoping to buy 5 million doses from each of those companies. Well, thank you so much, Stash. Mm. Well, thank you for having me. Hopefully next time I'm here, I have some more good news to tell you. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thank you.